Okay. Thank you for hitting the clock for me, okay? And I don't have my clicker. So, all right. Thank you very much. This is a little squirrel day for me, okay? When I was doing the sermon run-through, there was just something. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was what time I went to bed or whatever it was, but when I woke up, it was like, you know, squirrel. I tried to concentrate squirrel. <laughs> so, just pray for me, okay? All right. How many people got to see Josh Morris's sermon last week? Raise your hands. How many people thought it was phenomenal? Okay. I mean, it was just amazing. By the way, I do want to say this is squirrel moment right here. I thought it was so good. I wore my Josh Morris shirt. <laughs> I do just want to say, I, yesterday I was noticing how many people were dressing up and going to Halloween. I actually see a few of the people that went to Halloween parties here. I see a lot that, that didn't, you know what I mean? But bottom line, I want to commend you who were out in your Halloween party actually getting here today. That was awfully nice of you. So last week, what Josh did in this incredible sermon was, and one of the reasons why, it was just a great sermon all by itself. But the bottom line is, yet again, the Lord is having, I don't tell him what to say, and yet again, the Lord has a message that is absolutely the next thing for us to talk about. And it's not that we planned it out. It's just week by week as the Lord leads, as I pray and get something, he had no idea what he was going to talk about. He wasn't constrained to our series or anything like that. But the thing that he, the thing that the Lord dropped in his heart to say was precisely the next thing that we need to talk about. Now, for those who are here that are new and so on, let me briefly catch us all up. And all of us, it does us good to kind of remind ourselves what the Lord is doing so that we can more accurately be in his flow, right? So what happens is at the beginning of September, I had a really, really strong sermon and a really strong sense that what the Lord was saying was, is that he was going to really challenge us. I mean, really go to bare knuckles, get down to the ground, if I get underneath everything, and go to places that frankly we didn't really want to go so much, that it was that deep. And I said, I proposed to you, when I said that sermon, I said, I don't know for sure, and I, but I think the Lord's saying he's going to have us chew on this throughout the entire fall. And so far, that's precisely what he's been doing, not just through me, but through the, through the people that have talked. And, and to take us back to September, the first thing that he said was this. He said to the religious leaders, initially, with the disciples watching, he's saying to the religious leaders, you don't get it. You really don't get it. You think you get it. You think you understand it. You think you're moving in the right place. You know you're not perfect, but you think you're moving in a way that is the, basically what is being asked, what is being, um, what the heart of it is. But the truth is, you are not. And then what he does, of course, is he circles it back around and he says, oh, by the way, it's not just those religious leaders to his disciples. He says, it's you too. And given that what we're doing is, is watching how the Lord is rolling this out in the disciples. We're saying he's rolling the same thing out with us. He's discipling us just like he did them as we follow their discipleship journey. And what we realized was, oh, we're not getting it either. And we put out some things there and we said, we're not getting it. Now, I've, I've used the things that we've been using in that context enough, so let me go to another place in scripture where Jesus is telling all of us, you really don't get it. He's, the Sermon on the Mount, that's a sermon for everybody, right? The Sermon on the Mount starts, he, you know, as he, he gets through a little bit, of, and then he goes, you've heard it said, but this is what it really is. 
So here's, this, here's one right here. You've heard it said, as it was said to our ancestors, do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. You've heard it said, that's what you think. So you think if I murder somebody, yes, I'm gonna be judged by God, by the community, so on, right? But now watch. But I tell you, everyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Right there, that's a problem. You ever been angry with somebody? I haven't killed anybody that I know of, okay? I just always wanna leave that door open, just in case, okay? But I don't think I've done that. But I can tell you pretty much I've done that. So getting angry with somebody is the same as killing them? Wait a minute. Now he goes on, he says, whoever says to his brother, fool, subject to the Sanhedrin, and, and that's a lot stricter punishment than what you think it is because what it means is, is that you're cut off from the community. So in those days in particular, it was important to be part of a tribe, part of a community that could protect, and you were cast out, okay? So, but now listen to this one. But whoever says you moron will be subject to hellfire. This is the one that just, this is the one that I don't get. I don't get how it's worse to call somebody, I'm not looking at anybody now, a moron. Okay, yeah. I, I don't see how that's worse than actually killing them. I do not see that. And yet Jesus has clearly said, it's a worse punishment to do that. Well, why? How? What is it that we're not getting? Now, this is a very important principle for the whole of our sermon. Imago Dei. Anybody know what it means? I know Robert does. Yeah, image of God. The image of God that you've been made in. Imago Dei. Every single person has been made in the image of God and therefore has enormous value. Enormous value. Worth. See it? And what he's saying is, is when you say you moron, Raka, when you, and what the word really means, the English translation here is a little unfortunate because we don't really have a word like it. What it means is, is I, just, I just dismiss you completely as a human being. And when we do that to somebody, when we write another human being off, we're writing off God. You see it? All of a sudden I'm starting to see why that might be worse. I can kill them, and it's actually worse to write them off. You see that? We really don't get it. And, and this is a theme that Jesus is doing all the time. Now, that's number one that he started in, in September. And then he started bringing it to us this way. He started saying, now, in order to do things that you really don't want to do, in order to get it, in order to go deeper, in order to get to another place, what I need you to do is understand this. This is the critical principle you cannot get there. Not it's very hard and you have to work really hard at it. The opposite of that. It, the more you try, the harder you, you, go ahead and try, do it. Luther beating himself, Luther doing everything he possibly could until he finally understood, oh my gosh, I cannot get there. And that was his breakthrough moment. That's when he discovered grace and the church had become works up until then, right? And so the point is, is we get to this place of, of grace and all of a sudden it takes us to another place. I cannot get there. God is the only one who can get me there and the way he does it is in the spirit. And so we've been looking at over and over Galatians. Oh, you foolish Galatians, how foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And he talks about, are you just, do you just not understand the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus at all? Do you not understand that he did that because he already proved to you that you couldn't? 
And so now you're embracing that he can, only he can, and that's your only hope? Now, I want us to just take this, this Holy Spirit idea. The Holy Spirit comes down when we, when we, we do our Empowered series. Here's what we've got. The Holy Spirit fire comes down upon, and then he's trying to go through. And what we can be is either a good conduit or a plug or um, somewhere in between. See? We can, if we're a plug, then the Holy Spirit's coming down upon wanting to do something through us and we're just stopping it up. Just goes, I don't know where it goes, but it's gone. You can be a perfect conduit, which is to say whatever he sent through you comes out exactly the way that he intended it. Or you can be like most of us are, in between there, where what we do is we distort the flow a little bit or maybe a lot more than a little bit. So whatever he's trying to do, we take it and we kind of mess with it a little bit. What God's trying to do is he's trying to get us over here. I want you to think about this. Remember, where we are in Luke is, we're at the very end of what we've been calling the master's class. We're at the end of the time that Jesus is going to be with them and they're about to go into a new phase, right? So what's going on is, is we've got the beginning of this master's class I mean, we got the beginning, Luke 1 through 8, which is college. I'm watching and I'm learning. And then we got master's class where I'm now doing and learning, right? And then doctorate is Jesus is gone and we're to do on our own. I want you to think about what doctorate really is. It's not us doing it on our own. Here's what he's trying to teach us before he leaves so that we can do the doctorate right. If you think you can do the doctorate stuff on your own, in yourself, in your flesh, you're gonna lose. You're gonna be a bad conduit distorting the flow. What you gotta become a, an expert in is what, what it means that you cannot and what it means that he can. You, this is what he's trying to teach us. He's trying to get us to an entirely another place. The doctrine isn't about what you can do. The doctrine is about what you're letting him do. <laughs> you see it? How to participate in it. This is what he's trying to teach us. Now, Josh, last week, here. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I want you to think about this for a second. There's two ways that I can motivate you to really pay attention to this sermon. One of them is to tell you this. In Luke, which we've been following, something's about to happen. They don't know it, but something's about to happen that they need to be prepared for, and that's what Josh hit so beautifully last week. He's training you. He's preparing you. You think you have some sense of what he's training you for, and you think you have some sense of the urgency of that. Here's what I mean to tell you. You don't. <laughs> the urgency that you have is more of a, as you would, as you feel like. But what God is showing us in Luke is something's about to happen that you do not know about. And here's the key. You gotta be ready for it. Dave Brunk had this incredible concept. He said, you know, everybody, all Christians want God to give them a word right? What's he, what's he doing in you and who he is? And they want, they want a word from the Lord. All Christians want a word from the Lord. Here's what Dave said. Actually, biblically, if you'll go look it up, 
you don't really want a word from the Lord because every time the Lord gave a word to somebody, it turned out they really needed it. <laughs> it was like a big deal. They really needed what that word was. I want to just propose to you, I'm not saying that it's, you know, I, I've preached the revelation and everything else. I'm not saying, I don't know what's coming and I'm not going to sit here and try and gin up support and enthusiasm, urgency, by talking about things that I do not know. What I mean to tell you is, is that we need to live in the expectation with the understanding that things are going to change and that the things that the Lord has been doing with us are to prepare us for that change, to do the training that Josh talked about, to get ready for when whatever he does next, you're able to enter into it. You're not somebody who has not trained and so you're not able to enter into it. You see it? So what I'm saying is there's two different ways that I can motivate you. And I, I think actually understanding that this is terribly serious is important. But again, I just hate that way in Christianity that we have of, you know, the televangelist standing up there and talking about the ends, you know, do, and puffing everything up and all that kind of stuff. That's just nonsense to me. It's not the heart of God. Right? It shouldn't matter what's going to happen tomorrow. It, you should be doing the same thing anyway today. So let me use the other thing. No, I'm not going to use the whip. I'm going to use the carrot. And the carrot's this. No eye has seen, no ears heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. In fact, this, the scripture that Josh used last week was, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, I'll do it. No eye has seen, no ear has heard what has entered in or mind even imagined what God has for us. What does that mean? Well, in heaven it means one thing for sure, but right now it means something too. And I think it means this. I told you a couple of weeks ago, and again, this is for you discernment. We'll see if it's true, right? If it's not true, don't hang me. I'm not giving it as a word. It's a sense I have, a very strong sense, and I'm giving it to us for discernment together so that we're processing and considering what season we're in. And what I said was, is that I think the Lord is going to start doing miracles. And what I did not mean by that, let me be very quick to say, is the circus stuff. The, the person standing up there and every, in that showy, circusy stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that in the places in which you are willing to step with people that you love or people that God is bringing you to, that he's going to start doing intimate things. He's going to start doing things that are particular and and, and perfectly calibrated, perfectly for them. That individual that you have been the, you've been the, you're the carrier of the body of the Holy Spirit and you bring the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can do something that is precisely what they need. I think this is what he wants to do with us. As I said, as the culture goes down, there much more so is grace, right? Where sin abounds, there much more does grace. And I think that God is trying to raise up a body for years now that when somebody's in trouble, what you do makes a difference. Not you. 
what the Holy Spirit's able to do through you. This is what I think he's trying to do. So I think we're in a, uh, do you feel it? Is it just me? Is it? I'm thinking it's not because it seems like there's so many other things that are confirming it. Like, you know, Josh giving the perfect sermon that goes in the next thing and JJ before that and Eric's this summer. And, and you see what I mean? This, 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 this flow, this thing that we're doing. Okay? I think we need to own that he's trying to tell us something. We need to own what that means. So that when he calls on us to run that marathon, we're good for it. Right? There, there's where we are. Uh, John Woodbury, this is, oh, I thought that you meant by it, John. I didn't know what you were saying. He's right back there. Okay, so John Woodbury uh, preached here many times. Incredibly wise man. Uh, has helped me a lot here. A blessing to the church. John, would you pray for the sermon? Would you lift up another church? Jesus, you said in your word that after you left and stopped being human like we are, that you would send us back a comforter. Amen. And that he would reside we, as we understand it in that part of our heart where our spirit resides. And Lord, taking that as encouragement, we know that you reside in the hearts, not only of Kurt, but of every believer that's here. Thank you, Jesus. And you've spoken to Kurt to give the message today. Let it resonate Amen. in the spirit and soul of every person here. Amen. In a way that it will continue that transformation by a renewing of their minds. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I, I pray for uh, the Kalern United Methodist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Thank you, Jesus. Where I finally stopped saying no <laughs> to what you wanted to do in my life. Thank you, Jesus. And I pray that they will continue that. And if there's anyone here who's still saying no, this would be a good day to stop. This is your day. Amen. And we go forth by your leading. Amen. We're blessed. We're encouraged. We're growing. Thank you, Lord. We rejoice over that good news. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Boy, well, a lot of good came from that, yes. One more concept that Josh gave us last week. I've already touched on it a little bit, but I just need to go one more step into it. This is the big message that he had from last week, and, and, that's what, and this is what it was. In the preach call, he said to me a statement that I don't know if I'll ever forget it. But what he said was, is he said, to be, I said, well, what's the point? What's the heart of it? What are you trying to get out? And he said, to be honest, he said, we're doing this incredible thing. It's clear that God is leading us and everything else. But to be honest about me personally, I'm afraid to ask him what he really wants me to do because my life is so overflowing, overfull right now. I'm so stressed out already with everything that I have to do. I'm afraid he's going to tell me to do yet one more thing. And I just don't think I can take it. I just... I just went, I know that's not everybody in here, but I just went, 
man, you're touching on something. <laughs> very, very real. Very important. You know, our lives are so full with the stuff that we have. And so what he did is he came back around and he gave us a peace that is not unlike the peace that he gives when he starts talking about, don't worry about you having to do it because you can't. I'll do it through you. Just get to be a good conduit. And in the same piece, what Josh said last week was, is he said, he's not asking you to do this great big huge thing all at once. He used that marathon illustration. He said, he's not asking you to wake up one day having never run in your entire life to go run a, a 26 kilometer, 26.5, five mile marathon. He's not asking you, to, did I get it right? I didn't get it right at all? Well, you can see who the runners are. I used to run all the time. What is it? How long is a marathon? 26.2 miles. Well, that's a lot further than five miles. <laughs> Thank you. How many kilometers would that be, Robert? <laughs> really? Okay, 40 what? 42. And you just ran one. So there you go. See, all right. Nice to have you here too, by the way. Lovely. All right. I haven't met your husband yet, have I? Is he here? Oh, bummer. Okay. Squirrel. <laughs> Told you. Uh, yeah, love you. The thing that, I, the thing that I, he said was, is you don't just wake up and go run a marathon. What you do is God moves on you that something's coming, and then you start doing something. And you do a little bit. And then you do a little bit more. And then you do a little bit more. And then you do a little bit more. And, then you do, and all of a sudden, one day, you're running a full marathon, and it isn't that hard. You're, you've trained yourself. You've gotten to a place to where you can do this. You actually like it. Now, remember, you didn't like it before you started. You like it as you do it, and you get good at it, right? So this is the concept they gave, and I want us to see how biblical this is, because, again, this is a very important principle for what we're about to do today. God said to the Israelites when he was bringing them into the promised land, after they were in Egypt, and they came across the, the sea, and then they're coming in. I will not drive the people that are in the land I'm giving to you out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. You see it? The things that the Lord is bringing to you, he's not telling you to do all at once, to go from zero to 60 in zero seconds. He's saying, I want you to go from zero to 60 in about four and a half years. See, I want to work you up step by step, very doable, very reasonable steps. This is what we're doing. This is what, this is, there is a reason why we're in this series for the length of time that we're in it. We're not trying to do one sermon about everything you're supposed to do. There's no way you're going to do it. There's no way you're going to know how to do it. There's no way you can enter into it. We're in this process of college. We're now at master's and he's going to be taking us into yet another series after this. You see it? another place. So here's the passage now that we're in. It's the rich man and Lazarus. And it goes like this. The Pharisees, it, this is the start of it, so that you understand the context of it. The Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard this and scoffed at him. They said to him, you appear, you, you like, he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your heart. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. So what he's doing is, is he's confronting the religious leaders and now he's going to tell them a parable. And remember, how to understand a parable is you've got to take on the, what person in the parable are you supposed to be. You don't look at a parable from the outside. You experience it. So you've got to become one of the characters in there. Now, what's the character we're supposed to be in this parable? 
The religious leaders are who? They're the Pharisees, right? And we're supposed to be understanding that even though that's about the Pharisees, it's about us too. So we're supposed to be experiencing this as the rich man. Now, listen to what Jesus has to say to you, us, as the rich man in the story. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he's here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over from us to there. Now, he's saying this to Pharisees who are the religious leaders, the popular ones. The Sadducees were even more disconnected. The Pharisees were the, were the priests of the people. Sadducees were rich, truly rich people, right? And they were disconnected totally, just like it is in, you hear about the elites all the time in our politics right now. That's what the Sadducees were, the elites. The Pharisees were more of the people, but they were, had pretty important positions. Now, whose heart is God always after? Who's, who's, who, what does God always hear? The cry of the oppressed. I think somebody said something close. The person that's, in, the person that's crying out. God always hears a person that is in need. He hears the cries of those who are in need. He, always does. So if God is always hearing the cries of people in need, here's what Jesus had just said to the religious leaders. I hear their cries, but you don't. You hear it? I hear them crying out, but you don't seem to be hearing it. You're not getting it. You don't get it. Why aren't you getting it? Well, we'll come to that in one second, but let me just ask it this way. We got to make sure that we're still in the rich man. You, you do, you know, you, you've been hearing me talk about that two miles from here, as the crow flies across the water, is South Seattle. And South Seattle, as an inner city, is going through incredibly difficult things. And when you get to other places, it's even worse. There are places in our cities that are in such turmoil, in such heartache, that there is a massive cry going up. Why don't we hear it? We don't have to go two miles away, by the way. The city of Bellevue just saved, for $26 million, the apartments that are across the street. They were all gonna go high-end, rich, rich. You know, typical Bellevue. But they bought the entire property. And so, just think about what God did for this church. Across the street is an entire community that not every single person, mind you, but where there's a lot of need. There's a lot of cries going up. That's across the street. What's wrong with us that we can't hear the cries? What's happening? What's happening? Well, let's ask it another way. If you can't hear the cries, how do you get to where you can? Let me ask it another way. If the rich man ended up in hell, how do you end up in heaven? 
What does it take? In this story, what would it take for the rich man to have been in a different place? The thing is said right in the story, what would it take? What would it take? What's that? Yes, but, but something even more simple than that. Yes, but right in the story. Yeah. And, and what, is it, what, he was, what is it that he was asking from the rich man? Was, it, was he asking him for enough money to buy a nice place? Maybe a little rent money? Maybe some utility money? What was he asking for? Water and hell, but what was he asking for in life? The stuff that fell off his table. <laughs> Literally the scraps. Would that have been like a really big deal for Lazarus to give up or for the rich man to give up? Does that seem like a high entry bar? Remember Josh's principle, little bitty tiny steps. Would it have been like a really big deal for that guy to just gathered up what was left after he'd eaten everything he wanted and all of his guests, just gathered up what was left and just give it to Lazarus? Would that have been a really big cost on that guy's life? Now, I, don't want, I want to make something clear. If he'd have just done that, would have got him into heaven? No, no. But what would it have done? It would have put him back on the track of the humanity, the Imago Dei, that God intended us to have. Amen. The care for those in need that he hears. When you don't listen, and, and believe me now, I want to say something here. We live in Bellevue. You can't pull up to a stop sign and not have somebody with their hand out. Right? And so you get good at not listening. You get good at not seeing. You look away. Now, careful, because there's a lot of wisdom in there too. You don't just go to some, if you got one formula wrong, you don't just turn to another formula. You gotta go to where the Holy Spirit's leading you. But when you see something, you've gotta go to where the Holy Spirit's leading you, not some formula about how if I give them a dime or if I give them a dollar, if I, maybe I should buy sandwiches or all of the things that people do. What we've got to be is we've got to, we've got to listen. Because when you listen to persons that are crying out, you are strengthening the Imago Dei in you. You are recapturing the humanity that you are otherwise shutting out. It's like a railroad track. Right now, it's very close together and it looks like it's going in the same direction. But the truth is, it's two different tracks and one of them is bending slowly one way and one of them is bending slowly the other way until eventually they end up in two entirely different places. And what we must do as Christians, as human beings, as people made in the image of God, we must recapture his heart. I had a great conversation yesterday with John Batman, and I don't know what Lord's going to do with this, but we were just talking about what is it that we've lost that so many things could be happening? What is the church not doing and so on? And as we were talking, the Lord just started speaking to me about we've been teaching people about religion in church for a very long time. What we haven't been doing very well is introducing people to God, actually getting a relationship with him built. We haven't been entering into the things where they could build a relationship because what we do is we come to church and, and let me be clear I really like church and I really think church is important I think it's a prophetic moment I think it's very important but let me say something about your church about any church when somebody says what you like about your church I really hope that a good Sunday morning is about fifth on the list the first thing on the list ought to be something about they've taught me how to love God taught me who God is and I've fallen in love with him. And the second thing they ought to say is something along the lines of, and I've met these other people that lift my hands and that I walk with and that I've come into relationship with, and I love them and they love me and we've become something. These are the things that when you ask people what they like about their church, it shouldn't be good worship and good preaching. 
It ought to be God first. It ought to be community second. And then somewhere down the list ought to be there's a prophetic message that God gives us on a Sunday morning that helps direct us and helps keep us moving in the right direction together as a community, as a family. You see it? Are we getting it? As we make this decision, watch. Here's what the Lord has been doing. About two years ago, we actually looked at how do you do things that you want to do? What we started looking at this September is how do you do things that you don't want to do? How do you get to that place? That's a much trickier spot. How do you actually get to where you like running 26 miles? I've done it before. Again, I should do it again, but whatever. You got to count the cost of the tower, though. One of the first things you have to do is you have to, you have to understand what it is that you're going for. In just a couple of chapters from now, towards the very end, Jesus is just momentarily, he's going to be gone. But there's something that happens, and the disciples come to him, and they basically say this. Look, we've left what we had and followed you. Do you see the cost? Peter is not, he's not saying this at all, but do you understand it a little bit in this way to help you understand the depths of it? What he's saying is, what's in it for us? Do you hear that? We've left everything. What's going to happen? So he's not saying what's in it for us because he's not doing it around a selfish motive, so don't misunderstand me. But what he is saying is this. How is this, you know, we're doing, we've given everything, now what? Right? Now here's what Jesus' promise is. I assure you there's no one who's left a house, wife, brothers, parents, or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more now in this world, right now, not just in heaven, but now, and also in eternal life in the age to come. We've got to start putting our sights on things that he's bringing. We've got to start trusting that God is good, that he loves us, that he has good things for us, things the mind hasn't even imagined. We've got to start doing it so that when God comes along and does to you what he did to me this summer, which is I saw this documentary, Crips and Bloods Made in America. I believe that this should be required watching for every single person in America. This completely made me understand something that I did not understand about what was going on. And just to be really frank and blunt with it, what it made me understand was the sin of white, white people, that what happened was when LA was, was industrializing and they had all this business and all this work and all these people from all over the country were moving in because they didn't have work where they were and it was after the war and so on, they came in and everybody was getting jobs and the entire LA basin region was becoming middle class. Black, white, Hispanic, Asian, everybody was becoming middle class. It was going really well. There was a sin that was done right there, which is that the white people didn't want black people and, and oftentimes other races too, but particularly black people. They didn't want them living where they lived. And if you'll look at that, if you know LA and you know what Watson Compton and all that stuff is about, you, what they did was they called it redlining. My dad was actually on the home, federal home loan, back in home loan savings banks, whatever they were called, back in that day, he was on there. And they were the ones that were, he went in when the government had said redlining has caused a problem of essentially fencing races in and we can't do it anymore. But we did it. 
And what it did was, initially it wasn't a problem because everybody was getting money and people lived with their own kind, so to speak. And so it was all right. But the problem is, is God was asking us to do something beyond that. He was asking us not just to be one with people that are like us. He was asking us to be one with people that are not like us. He was asking us to be one with everybody. He was asking us for something specific, and we said no, and we redlined. And if you'll look at, that right now is where Crips and Bloods are, and if you'll look at that, you can take the redlining and you can go right around that exact circle, except it extends a little bit. But that's Watson Compton, one of the worst urban inner city places in the country. It's just devastating what's going on there. The, the reality that people that live in that reality live in is completely and utterly foreign to what the vast majority of people here are living in. Now, God caught me. This is just mine. Okay, this is the one that God captured my heart with. And he said, do you hear the cry? And I went, no, and I'm so sorry. And now I do. And now I hear it all the time. Everywhere I look and everything, I, not everything, but you get what I'm saying? He's got my heart. Now, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I did not want to go to lower Seattle. I don't know where I'm going. I haven't got there yet. We're, I'm trying to get there, and I'm trying to do it with all of us, right? I'm trying to go with everybody. So I don't know where it's going to be, but I'm telling you, I haven't gone to wherever it is that God's telling me to go yet. But what I can tell you is, I know I'm going. And I know I'm going because he's put this thing in me. That is, that is drawing me with honey. Not with, not with, oh my God, it's so scary, or oh my God, it's this or that or anything else. He's drawing me with honey. With, I have an expectation of what he's gonna do that is beautiful. So having said all this, I wanna just leave my section of this sermon with this. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. If you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and then you forget what you look like. If you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I'm going to do it in the message because I, I love the way he puts it. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but letting the word of God go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, two minutes later have no idea who they are and what they look like. Whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or a woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. We're going to do action today. I'm gonna describe for you what we're gonna do in a little bit, but you're gonna see signs around here of various things, and, and we're gonna dismiss, and if, you, if, you're, if this is not where you are or whatever, you can leave. But after the service is over today, and it's gonna be over in just a little bit here, what we're gonna do is, is we're gonna to get together in, in little groups of people that are feeling like God's calling them. If you don't know where you're supposed to go, I'll explain it later, and all this kind of stuff. But just to really bring this home, I want to introduce you to some people that I've just absolutely fallen in love with. Carlos, I've known you now for a number of years. You're amazing. What you guys are starting to do, the, the site coaches, the whole thing, Giuseppe and, and Jema, uh, I'm just so excited for you guys. Come up here. We want to hear something from you.
So I'd like to introduce my friends here. This is Carlos Wilkitz, and he is a Jubilee Reach area director these days. Hard to believe, awesome. <laughs> so he oversees the staff at the schools. Jema <laughs> is um, the club Jubilee manager at Odell Middle School, that nice brand new school across the street. And Giovanni is the site coach of Odell Middle School. And so everything that goes on runs through him. And then across the street at Stevenson is Josh. He couldn't be here today, but that's his picture. And also just wanna let you guys know that inside your packets are the opportunities at both schools. And you can take a look at that and see um, all the details there. So as Kurt was just talking about, um, that God grabbed his heart with the Crips and Blood sermon. When he was doing that initial sermon, I was thinking, you know, those problems he's describing in LA, I wonder if people understand those problems are here in Bellevue. That there are kids in Bellevue who go to bed hungry, who don't have parents around, or don't have fathers around, who don't think that they have a future and a hope because they think jail or death is their future. It's happening here. And the other thing I was thinking about is Carlos's story. Carlos grew up in Mexico. His mom left when he was two. His dad was gone all the time trying to find work. He was on his own. And so he joined a gang to find family and to find community and to survive. And what happened, Carlos? Well, thank you guys so much for having us here. And first of all, I'd like to say that um, at the age of 13, what ended up happening is uh, I was literally surrounded by about 13 guys and uh, was beat in order to be a part of something that I thought at that point was where I needed to be. Um, I got very good at being very bad. There are things that I, uh, I did in my youth that I, I'm not very proud of, but ultimately these uh, were the things that at that point I felt like I needed to do in order to live where I was living, uh, in order to live with the hate that I had, um, and to uh, survive uh, the lifestyle that I was having. Uh, fast forward to that, I, I was pistol whipped uh, one night, and. Uh, bleeding out. Uh, ultimately, uh, the EM, uh, I was in the back of an ambulance, and the EMT, um, by God's grace, happened to be a believer, a Christian. And she didn't hesitate. She said, you're too young to be in the back of my, my ambulance. You could die. I want to pray for you. And uh, I was so glad that she was a believer. Had she been something else, I might be a Buddhist or something. Uh, <laughs> She uh, totally prayed for me, and uh, I firmly believe I was completely saved and rescued and renewed and transformed. My passions were changed, and my desires uh, were transformed, and, and Jesus rescued me in that moment. Uh, as I'm getting stitches and, 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 and stuff inserted in my cranium, uh, God is, uh, is doing something uh, in me. Uh, fast forward to that. Um, I ended up saying I wanted out uh, of this life, and I was so I was beat again. So it's blood in, it's blood out, and uh, so I got even more stitches out of that. But uh, came to beautiful Lake Chelan and was baptized, 
and accepted Jesus and had a total transformation. And just really the beautiful thing about our Lord and Savior is that He does something for us on the cross. He dies for us. Um, he does something in us. He renews us. And then ultimately to do something through us. And the truth of that is that uh, I had the privilege of being part of an amazing team that was formed by Jubilee Reach uh, in order to serve uh, Highland Middle School. And there's where I had the privilege of meeting tons of young people, one of which is uh, Jema. And so really in God's grace, being able to do the work that he's called us to because we've seen a lot and we can serve a lot. And so, yeah, Carlos's amazing story and his experiences make him uniquely qualified to speak into kids' lives that are here. And Jema, you um, came to Bellevue in seventh grade without your dad. And so you were lost and lonely and scared and and in such need of a father figure in your life. What did God do for you? Yeah, um, it was really hard for me to get along at school in my family life. And with that came a lot of depression and I felt really sad and to the point where I was contemplating death. The thing was that there was no one there that would care for me. There was no one there that even asked if I was okay. And then when I met Carlos at Highland, it was just such a continuous relationship that I got to build with him. He never left. He always asked me the, the questions that nobody did. He was there to protect. I felt protected. I felt cared for. I felt like someone was there. At least someone after school was there for me. After a couple of years, um, God brought him to my life again, and he got to, I got to hear the gospel through him. And from that just came a lot of renewal, and I just felt whole again. God, got, God filled me up, and he used Carlos to do that, and the first step was he showed up at, a middle, at my middle school after school. And I'm happy that he is still here, we're still friends, we're still, that relationship is not going to be broken, and God's doing amazing things now through me and at the school that I work at, and I'm happy about it, and I'm happy that I'm here. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> uh, Giovanni, your family came here from Mexico to give you a better life, so what did you do with that opportunity? Well, it was up to me to take advantage of that, because many people come here for that, and I was blessed to have coaches, teachers, friends of parents, all do one thing, and was that to be present, um, to be present and to just believe in me. And that goes a long way in our youth, because we see that every day. We see that as long as you're present and you believe in them, that's all they need for them to, to feel the love, the care for them to succeed. Not necessarily getting straight A's, but they're trying hard. You know, they want to get better better student, better man, better woman, and that's all it takes, and that all, that's what it took for me, and yeah. And so, uh, as Giovanni said, it's just really easy, and so I'm going to share my story with you. When I first got to Jubilee Reach, I was scared. I didn't go downstairs for two months because I didn't, I didn't want to see what was going on, all that ministry and need, and, and one day, 
Tom, the chaplain, comes into my office and says, I need your help, and you're the only one that can help me. And on the outside, I'm nodding my head, and on the inside, I'm screaming to God, what are you, what are you doing to me? I am scared to death. What are you doing to me? And um, what he needed was for me to take an Iraqi woman and her three boys to a health clinic in Eastgate. And the reason that Jubilee Reach is helping her is because she lives across the street in the apartments. She's the second wife of an Iraqi man. She has nothing. There's no food. There's no furniture. There's nothing in her apartment. And she's just trying to figure out how to live here, how to be on her own. And on the, when she lifts up her dress, her whole backside is nothing but black and blue from him beating on her. And so we're driving to Eastgate, and everything's going pretty well. And we drive home, and she gets a call. And I think it's from her husband, because when she gets off, she says, Father this and Father that to her children. And then she turns to me, and with tears streaming down her face, she says, I cry every single day. And I put my hand on her arm, and I say to her, we're here to help. That's it. That's all I said. And when we got back to her apartment, I, I stopped the car, and she throws open the door and runs out of the car, leaves me me and the kids and I have no idea what just happened and she gets in her house and a couple of minutes later she comes back and she has what I think is probably everything nice that she owns that she wants to give me because she's so grateful and in that moment I was healed I was healed of all those fears and in that moment I realized how easy it is because I, just, I have the presence of God inside of me, and his love is so much more powerful and more transformative than I ever imagined. In fact, Kurt, it, it's so healing, and it's so transformative. I miss it. I miss that work. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Could you? Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. You guys can go ahead and sit back down again. Thank you, guys. Thank you. We wanted to just kind of a one, two, three with you there. We wanted you to hear one person did one thing, prayed for a kid in the back of an ambulance. That led him to do something at a school, which led her to do something. And you know, you know the concept of exponential, right? Where it just, it, it's not addition, it's multiplication. He's touching a few. Those few touch a few. Those few touch a few. How long does it take us to, touch, to get to everybody here? If you're trying to do everything at once, you can't possibly wrap your arms around it. But if you do this principle we're talking about, the one thing, you do the one family, and then that one family does something, and then they do something, and then they do something. You see this? It's just unbelievable what can happen if we will just wake up and listen. If we'll just wake up and, and embrace. So here's what we're going to do. In, in two seconds here, we're going to release. We're going to take communion and release. Okay, we're early. You know, we're, gonna, we're not going to sing a song. I hope. There's no communion. Oh, that's why. Uh, yeah, I should have had the communion. We had it scheduled a different way, and then I changed it, and I didn't. So I, that, my bad. But, but here's the deal. What we're going to do in just a couple minutes after, after, if you're leaving 
love you, no pressure, right? If this isn't, then it's great, just head out. Just do me a favor, do head out. Because the people that are left, we're gonna be gathering under the stanchions with the names. I can't read them, but you can read them, I hope. Uh, I can't see them hardly with the lights. So, but the point is, is I'm gonna go to the one that has to do with inner city and so on, and you just find the one where you are, yes. Water not in the packets. Thank you. Ushers, can you help? Apparently the sheets weren't in the packet. Ushers, can you come forward and just help us pass this out real quick? Thank you very much. Go ahead and give it to him. Thank you, Justine. Way to go. Now watch. Here's what we're going to do. It's just real simple. This is how complicated. It's going to take 15 minutes. Introduce yourself to the rest of the group. You're sitting with five, six other people. Tell them who you are. Okay? Tell others. Tell, tell each other of any ministry that you know of that's in the picture thing. Here's what we're doing. Now watch this. It's very important. We are not getting together to dream about what Lake Sam can start. We are not doing that. Do you hear me? Sometime in the future, God may do something like that. That's not where we're starting. Where we're starting is with what's already there. So what we're doing is, is I want you to share of any ministry that you know of. In mine, I've been doing some research. I have a ministry that I know to go to and where to go to get started. And I want to hear other people's ideas of what they are so that I have some sense of what ministries are out there. Do you see that? Okay, that's number one. And, or number two. And then I do want you to dream after you tell each other what ministries are out there that you know of. And by the way, Jubilee Reach, uh, to my mind, there ought to be a really big group around Jubilee Reach because that's the one that's right here, so easy, totally accessible, okay? But if you don't live close to here and so coming in at five o'clock to Bellevue is not where you need to be, that's okay. We're, we're working out things and this is one of the things that we're, this church is doing to really decentralize, to be in your community, not just here in Bellevue. Okay, but we really want everybody that's close to Bellevue, the more you can be involved in Jubilee, the better. Okay, but dream about how might we best get involved in ministries that are already happening, okay? And then I just want you to pray. Honestly, what we're trying to do is a little bit of communication and then prayer. Lord, what do you want us to do? Now, if you're somebody and you're saying, I know where to go, then go there. If you don't, see it on one of the stanchions, go to other, because Chantel is gonna take other and break and see what the groups are and then break them up into groups, see that? So just go to other if you don't see the one that, you've, that is on your heart. This, is, this comes from a few weeks ago when we asked you to feed back to us what, what is your heart, what is the Lord leading you to do, remember that? So the ones that are up there are people that responded and we put them up, okay? Now, if you know where to go, go. If you don't know where to go, but you feel like the Lord may be doing something, just pick one. What's the one that's closest? And just go there and kind of listen and let the Lord kind of speak to you. You may not end up there. You may end up somewhere else. You may end up not. But the bottom line is, is go to the one that sort of has, is, you know, God seems to be kind of, that'd be the one I would be closest to. Do you, do you catch what I'm saying? Is that simple enough? Okay. And then what we're going to do after, we, then we're going to break when your group is done, you're done. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna do some research and see if there's other ministries we can find work in that area. In other words, do research like I've been doing, okay? And Chantel's been doing. And then you're gonna get a follow-up email. If you were in the group, you're gonna put your name down. That doesn't sign you up. That's just telling you that you're interested in this so that we know to give you an email. We're gonna contact you and say, you know, now that you've prayed, now that you've thought about it, now that you've done some research, what are you thinking? Now, now, do you understand something? Here's what we're not looking to do. If there's six people in inner city, we're not looking to go together as six people to go do a 
inner city work. We're just saying you do whatever you want to do, but we want to communicate as a group to figure out where the best thing is. If there's 20 people around Jubilee Reach, you're not all going to do the same thing. Okay? What's going to happen? At, where is Jubilee Reach? Can somebody just raise their hand on it? I keep okay. pointing over there. It's right over there. Okay. You see, but you catch what we're doing? It's not that you're going to be doing one thing with the group the whole time. If you want to be with two or three other people, I, I love that. Got Jesus sent them out two by two? Great, right? Do we understand this? Is there any questions on this? Is there anybody confused about anything that has to do with this sermon? Yes. Yeah, please do. So the groups are up here in the corner, Benevolence, down here in the middle, At Risk Youth, which is Jubilee Reach. The one in the back is Homelessness that Kelly is standing at. Kurt's Inner City is back in that corner. Other is over here in the middle, and then up here is Missions. And we'll have facilitators in each group. Okay. As people are going to facilitate. Oh, we have to do an offering. That's right. Would you guys come? Well, hold on. Give me one second. What's that? Say it loud. Benevolence is community care. Okay, it's people that have needs in the local community, and that's everything from fin financial needs to like come over and help them with something, move them, you know. There's a thousand things that happen in community care, okay? And we do a ton of community care. All right, we're gonna pray and then we're gonna take an offering, but Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name. Uh, this is us in the master's class now, Lord. And Josh pointed out one more very important thing for us to note today. Though we know we're in the master's level class, he pointed out that a year ago you had talked to him about being more bold about bringing a word and that he was not really wanting to do that and had not done that. God, as a body, we come to you and we say, we know that we're in this area where you're wanting us to do and we're not necessarily doing we just repent of that. We just come to you right now and we say we're sorry. That is not what our hearts wanted. We don't do the things that we want to do, as Paul said. But in Jesus' holy and precious name, God, we want to do that. And you're now showing us how to do that in a very easy, very doable, very relatable, just a next step, just a, just a tiny step that gets us going in the direction, puts us on the other railroad track. So what we ask for right now, in Jesus' holy and precious name, Lord, is that you would move on the hearts of people and that you would start getting us whatever unique thing that you've designed us to be and to do, the calling that you have for us, that you would get us into that place, even now. And so in Jesus' holy and precious name, thank you, Lord. Help us, help us become doers of the word, not just hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, don't release just yet, please. Go ahead and pass it out. I, I'm sorry, we had this designed differently and I changed.